How you doing this morning? <clears throat> I feel like I need to start with an apology. Two weeks ago, I had it wrote across my notes real big. That just shows how much I really use my notes in real big letters. Remind the church that I'm not going to be here next Sunday. Well, guess what? I didn't remind y'all. I wasn't here last week. And uh, Frank, kind of, Frank mentioned it earlier. We had a dog presentation that had been scheduled probably um, eight, nine months ago over in Pace, Florida. That's on the northeast side of Pensacola. And so we went on um, last Saturday over there and, and participated with that and did the presentation. And just, it was an amazing event in a lot of ways, but one of the ways, it's a, it was a nonprofit called Sportsman's Giving Back, and they raised almost $80,000 last Saturday night to give other nonprofits in that area to help them do ministry. Phenomenal event. I mean, only bad thing was I didn't win the boots that I bid on. They was raffling off some custom-made um, kind of blue full quill ostrich boots, but I didn't win them. I'm not bitter about it, but um, won't go back next year. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, it was a week and we stayed over Sunday morning and I was telling the eight o'clock group, me and Frank are really critical and I can't help it. I wish I could turn things off and sometimes I just can't turn them off. When I walk into a room, I'm immediately looking at everything and I'm making mental notes. And so, so at one point, we just got to where we wouldn't even look at each other because we both had our list and they was getting like this. And so, um, but then the, the preacher was amazing. I'm actually going to go back and listen to a sermon again because he made two or three quotes that I really liked. And, but uh, it was a good weekend. So we drove home and got home and um, I dropped Frank off, run to my house to unload everything and come up here last Sunday evening. Well, after I dropped everything off and I was on my way up here, my phone rang and it was a mobile number and I didn't, I didn't have it saved in my phone with the other 5,000 contacts I have. And so um, I answered and it was a gentleman and he said, Johnny, you're probably not going to remember me. He said, I met you 20 plus years ago. And he said, I was at the, at the event last night, the fundraiser. And he said, I heard you share your story and use your dogs. And he said, I just need to talk to you for a minute if you have a minute. And, he, and I said, sure. So again, he was trying to connect dots where I would remember him from rabbit hunting from 20 years ago when I competed in the Mobile area. And finally, I just said, give me dog names. I remember dog names, people names out the window, but I'll remember a dog name. And so um, finally, I, I put a face with him and, as we talked. And, and he said, you know, he said, I went home after you shared and I sat in my trophy room and looked at those dusty trophies and said, what have I done with my life? And he said, I need you to tell me about that Jesus that you was talking about last night. So on the phone, modern technology, three hours apart, he prayed and accepted Christ. You know, and we're talking today, um, Donnie really kicked off real strong last week with um, redefining um, neighbor. And we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks is, won't you be my neighbor? And, and so because of 20 years ago, because of the reputation I had and because of a friendship and just my personality and his personality, 20 years later, we was able to reconnect dots and he was to accept Christ. That's what mean, uh, being a neighbor means. You know, it means that you're still accessible and stuff like that. So, so if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to John 19, John 19, Galatians 5, and John 13. John 19, Galatians 5, John 13. While you're turning there, I want to read um, some numbers to you. Today, this week, we celebrate 22 years of being a church. 22 years ago, 1997 in October, we moved from a mission church status 
to a church status. And so, um, so we got to look, and we know 22 is an odd year to celebrate, but when you start looking at what Live Oak has accomplished with God in the last 22 years, it's something to celebrate. So let, just let me read some things to you. Um, October 1997 to present. October 1997 to present. 339 baptisms, counting little Carlisle that we just baptized. 339 baptisms. In 22 years, we've had 503 people join the church. Thad Levine, raise your hand. Thad Levine was the 22nd person to join after we become a church. So you see me in a little bit, and we got a prize for you. And you don't have to share it with your wife. So you eat it on the way back. Sandy Howe, Mark, she threw you under the bus. I texted her. I said, because I knew y'all got baptized the same day. I said, who was the first one in the water? Well, Sandy couldn't remember, so we both texted her mom. Sandy was the 22nd baptism to get baptized after we become a church. See me at the end, we got you something. Brian Robichaud was our 22nd person to join this year. Christina Temple was our 22nd baptism this year. From April 1st to today, we've had 32 baptisms, and we've had 84 church members in the last year and a half since I've become pastor. That's a lot to celebrate, isn't it? Y'all need to get more excited. I mean, it's something to celebrate. So here, we're going to keep going. Undesignated receipts. And what I mean by that, that's money that, that comes in through offering that's not designated for like youth camp or children's camp or for gravel or something like that. Undesignated money that goes into the general budget. In 1997, 1997, the undesignated receipts was $55,000. Now, I want you to hear the rest of this. $55,000, that's with a full-time pastor, and 1997 is when this building was built. In 1997, the church members, there was about 60 active members, and a lot of those was kids and youth, voted to follow God's vision to build this building. They borrowed $250,000 with a $55,000 a year income. The Louisiana Baptist Convention told them, no, don't do it, wait a year. And under Brother Howard's leadership and God's vision for this church, this building was built. That's a lot to celebrate. You're sitting in this today. It's bigger. It's got different chairs. But because of the faithfulness, and I want you to hear this, because coming up in the next couple of months, you're going to start hearing stuff. And we need to have that same faith that they had in 1997 with 60 people with $55,000 to step out and believe in what God's got coming. Today, today, or in 2018, our undesignated receipts was $376,631. That's a big difference, isn't it? The cooperative program and Eastern Louisiana Baptist Association, a cooperative program is what we send to LBC, and that money gets dispersed all over the United States, all over the state. That funds missionaries. That funds churches being built. It funds a lot of stuff. That's the cooperative program. East Louisiana Baptist Association is the association that our church is part of with 43 other churches, and that's what helps us. And we have leaned heavily on Eastern Louisiana over the last years. 
We wouldn't be a church today without them. So hear that. So we believe in both those programs. And so we give a percentage of our undesignated receipts to them. In 1997, that number was $3,051 to the cooperative program, $1,302 to Eastern. In 2019, from August of 2018 to today, we've given $24,524 to the cooperative program, $24,524 to Eastern. Because we believe as a church in these ministries. And so just like how you'll hear, you've heard Brother Howard, and you've heard me talk about tithing and about giving our, our money back to God and our things back to God, we believe as a church that we should be tithing. And so right now, if I got these numbers right, we give 5.8% to cooperative, 5.8% to Eastern. And so we believe if, if we're asking our people to do it, then as a church for God to bless us, that's what we need to be doing. That's a lot to celebrate when you start looking at it. And how, you know, God uses this money all over. Right here in Watson, God has used all that money. Like when we do our Easter egg outreaches and we do different things, God uses that money. You know, and that's just right there. Whenever you start looking at the thousands of hours, the thousands, literally hours of disaster relief work that we've done through the years. These guys, and it's not for self-gratification, and it's not to get another check mark or a gold star on a poster, but if there's something that happens, and SBC sends the LBC, I know it's a lot of initials, if the Southern Baptist Convention sends the notice to the Louisiana Baptist Convention, and the Louisiana Baptist Convention calls Brother Tommy and Brother Howard, our guys don't question. They don't say, eh, we made the last trip somebody else. Live Oak stands up and leaves. And because of that, there's been hundreds of people come to know the Lord that'll never walk through these doors. And so our shadow of our steeple literally goes to the far corners of the United States because I've been on them bus rides to, to, Calif I mean, to Colorado and to Staten Island, New York. And so, you know, there's no place that our church won't go to bring the gospel. The work is the easy part. The gospel is the main part. And so we have a lot to celebrate when you start looking at that, you know. And I hope, you know, in my prayers that you don't ever get tired of hearing me talk about the dog ministry because that's just as much Live Oak Baptist Church as disaster relief or any other things. And that's not counting the thousands of hours that y'all put in doing things that we don't even know about. You know, yesterday, just as a for instance, one of our ladies come up and got some of our new church brochure and she said, I'm taking these to a laundromat so that people can have them. See, that's stuff that nobody knows about that goes on behind the scenes because it's God's work. And so it's all important. And it's important for Live Oak because we've had 22 good years. But today we make a decision on what the next 22 years are going to be like because I'm going to be real honest. There's a lot of churches right now that are struggling and why is because they went from being outward focused to inward focused. And it's not about inside these walls. You know, inside these walls is where we want discipleship to take place and teaching to take place. But we're to go. And if we ever shift our focus from out there to in here, then we're going to be a stat. And that's not what God's called us to be. I was reading some more as I was getting ready, you know, and I found this on Lifeway's um, website. We do something every year called the annual church profile. I love it. Gala hates it. 
because it is labor intensive for her to input all these numbers every year so that Lifeway and LBC and people like me can go look at numbers and stuff. So all you Southern Baptist churches are supposed to do that. We're in the 11th consecutive year for membership to fall in Southern Baptist churches. Baptisms has declined over the last 10 years. We're baptizing 26.5% fewer people today than we did in 2007. The ratio that they give for baptisms to church membership, so like people that get baptized to join Live Oak, to people that, that walk the aisle and join by membership by statement and letter and stuff like that. So do you understand the difference? That ratio for the Southern Baptist Convention as a whole is one baptism to 59 members. That ought to break your heart. Do you know what Live Oaks ratio is? 1 to 2.7. 1 to 2.7. Because of baptisms like we've been seeing take place over the last several weeks. So we have a lot to celebrate because God's really using us, but we have to be obedient. You know, whenever you start thinking about what is it going to take for us to push to that next, next level, I got on social media this week and, and I put out a question. I said, what's the DNA of Live Oak Baptist Church? And this is what we have to protect. And if we protect this, then we'll keep moving forward. I got back words like love, unconditional, family, real, alive, faithful, inviting, intentional, believe, God, fulfilling, unified, authenticity, servanthood, obedience, compassion, humbleness, grace, restoration, outreach, refuge, fellowship, Sunday school, strong, grow groups, unashamed, honest, caring. When you look at those words, that's what makes up Live Oak Baptist Church. That's the church, not these walls. You know, it's like I told the 8 o'clock service this morning. You know, several years ago, Donnie prayed the roof off our building. I'm just throwing this out there. If we ever become that church where we're more focused on what's going on inside these walls than what's going on out there, I pray that God blows the walls off the building and gets us focused more back out there. We've got really good insurance. I'll just, we, we pay that. So don't let me scare you. We do have insurance. But we need to be focused on what God's calling us to do. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 19 is where we're going to start. John 19, verse 30. And when I read this, you're going to think, why in the world are we talking about neighbors? And this is the verse we're starting with. John 19, verse 30. It said, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now, Lord. Father, and I ask, Father, will you just show us your heart? Father, we just hear from you and you only. And Father, this morning... Father, I just give you all the praise and the glory for what you've done through the years at Live Oak Baptist Church because of the faithfulness of people in you. And Father, in doing what the outside world said couldn't be done, Father, but we don't serve them, we serve you. So Father, I just ask this morning, Father, we just leave here changed people, and Father, we just hear what you have to say today. Son's name I pray. Amen. You know, when you hear these words, you know, those, it's three simple words. It is finished. But if you go back and if you study that word finished in Greek, it's a word called telestai. And when you look at the, the meaning of that word, it means paid in full. And so when Jesus was hanging on a cross, literally he looked out and that's what he said. It is paid in full. 
My blood has washed over everything. My blood has washed over the sins of this world. My blood has done this. See, because what's happened right here, and write this in your Bible, beside it is finished, it's just beginning. Because when we accept him, that's the beginning of a new life. And so his words, it is finished, is the same as us saying, God, it's finished. I surrender. I give everything to you. And that becomes a new beginning for us as believers. Because leading up to this, just to give you a little history, you know, before this, you had to live by the law. You had to live by the Ten Commandments, and you had to live by that. And Jesus is telling us that's not good enough. You know, you need to live by more than just the law. It's not good enough just to be good. And so up until this point, every year they would do sacrifices. And I'm just telling you right now, if it come down to that, not that I'm afraid to kill something, I'm afraid to sacrifice to God in a way that these guys did. Because these priests would literally tie a rope around their waist, and when they went behind that curtain with that sacrifice, they had bells, and the rules was, if you didn't hear bells, you started pulling, because that means God had done struck that priest dead because his heart wasn't pure. And so what Jesus done right here, Jesus, whenever he hung on that cross, he's saying, it is finished, it is paid, it is done. There is no more old way like that. I've done away with that. I have become the sacrifice. And so when we start talking about, won't you be my neighbor? We have to start at the beginning because we can't be a good neighbor if God's not our father. We can't be a good neighbor if we haven't come to that surrender with him. Does that make sense? And so when you start hearing these words and you start looking, you know, and so let's go down into, let's go to Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Galatians 5, verse 13. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbors yourself. Do you hear those words that says the whole law? Not part of the law, not some of the law, not 90% of the law. The whole law is fulfilled in this one command. Love your neighbors yourself. Well, you know, last week, as Brother Donnie talked about redefining your neighbor, and if you start looking at it like that, you know, when you, when you read these words and it says, love your neighbors yourself, that starts getting complicated, don't it? One, because some of us don't love ourselves, but then the other, to love your neighbors yourself. Now, let's get real. How many of us walk through Walmart and we see people, and all of a sudden, we become a ninja. We're ducking and diving. We leave our buggy. We get out, don't we? I mean, I'm just being honest. Not that I do that, but I've been told that. But don't you do that? Because you don't want to be a good neighbor right then. I don't ever wear makeup, so I guess that's my reason too. But so when you hear these words and you start looking, you know, what's it take to be a good neighbor? You know, right here, let me read you a story. I run across this illustration this, um, a couple of weeks ago. But then this week, this become true. It said, this is a true story about a 28-year-old woman who had just gotten off from work. It was a little after 3 a.m. in the morning. She drove up to her neighborhood. She parked her car and began to walk down the sidewalk across the street to her house. About 30 feet from her door, she noticed a man standing in the shadows. She paused, and when he started towards her, she turned and ran in the opposite direction. 
She fumbled through her purse to find her keys and tried to reach a phone to call the police, but did not make it. The man called her and stabbed her. She started screaming that she had been stabbed. She was crying out for help. Lights came on in a house across the street. Windows opened. One man called out, leave the girl alone. The attacker heard it and walked away, but the windows closed and the lights went out. So he came back and he attacked her again. This time she screamed, I'm dying, I'm dying. And this time more windows came open and more lights on. The attacker went to his car and drove off, leaving the young girl to crawl along the street to her home. Somehow she managed to drive herself, drag herself inside. And when she came back, when he came back for the third time and found her on the floor, he finally succeeded in killing her. During those three separate attacks that happened over the course of almost an hour, not one of the young girl's neighbors came outside to try to help. After the third attack, someone called the police who arrived there within minutes. But this time it was too late. Neighbors who were later interviewed was asked what they, why they did nothing to help. The simplest answer was, I didn't want to get involved. You don't want neighbors like that, do you? This week in Watson... Within three miles of our steeple, there was a murder in Watson. We're not in Mayberry no more. In Watson, won't we be a good neighbor? I listened to an audio book while I was driving, and I'm still not real happy with Seth Ott for telling me about this book. And it made a statement in the book, and he said, what's scarier than knowing that people are lost is knowing that they're lost and not doing anything about it. Think about that. Won't we be a good neighbor? Won't we be a good neighbor? Whenever you hear these words in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, 36, it says, love your neighbors yourself. You know, it keeps going back. 1 Corinthians 3, 2, it says, I give you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready. Indeed, you're still not ready. Well, this morning, let me tell you, I'm not giving you milk. I'm throwing a ribeye on the table. It's time for us to start eating the meat and doing the work because God's called us here. God's called us here. And so when you read these words and you hear it is finished, how many of us has really went to God and said, God, it is finished. God, I surrender. God, my life is yours. Why do I jump in my truck and ride to Pace, Florida? Why do I, I leave Friday to drive to Lone Star, Texas to do a men's retreat and come home and barely gone 24 hours? Because God's called me to be his messenger. God's called me to do his work. You know, I shared the story about the gentleman that saw me in Pace, Florida. Well, Friday, as I was driving to um, Lone Star, it was 84 degrees when I left here Friday morning. time I got to Shreveport, it was 49. It was a good day. When I woke up yesterday morning, it was 36. I thought I was in heaven. I've been praying for cold weather. But anyway, I stopped in Alexandria um, to get me a bite to eat real quick and to let glory out. And, you know, when you travel with dogs, people with dogs understand you know where the good grassy areas are. So I knew where this gas station was. So I stopped and, you know, I got a quick bite to eat and run in the gas station and I filled my truck up with gas and I let her out and I'm sitting there and I'm throwing bumpers. And this man walks up and starts talking. Well, over the course, over the next four or five minutes, we end up on my tailgate and this man prays and accepts Christ. Why do I tell you that? Because it's about being a good neighbor. 
Sure, I don't live in Alexandria. I don't live on Airport Road in Alexandria. But God had me on a mission to get to Lone Star, Texas to speak to a group of men. And along that stop, Johnny, I need you to be obedient. Johnny, I need you. It's about me. It's not about you. Because it would have been real easy for me to pull a Walmart ninja and just kind of talk about dogs real quick, load her up and say, I got to go. But that's not what God had in store. Because he tells us that we're to be a good neighbor. He tells us that we're to live for him. And he tells us that we're to do it strong. And so when you start really going through scripture, and I'm not going to go to all those scriptures this morning, but when you start reading in the book of Acts and you start looking at Paul's life, and all of a sudden Paul meets this, this couple named Aquila and Priscilla. And he walks up to them and he says, hey, I, I want to start building tents with you, making tents. And he, and he builds this relationship and soon becomes part of their family. And then later on, when you get into 1 Corinthians and you read more about Aquila and Priscilla and you see that they open their home up, our home is still our number one avenue for telling people about Jesus. Our home is our number one avenue for being a good neighbor. Because let's stop and think right now. I'm going to make you think for a minute. Who lives across the street from you? Mine's easy. It's a church. Who lives behind you? Again, it's easy. It's my youngest brother, Michael. Who lives to the right of us? 330 neighbors. I'll never meet all of them. Who lives to the left? It's a business that they shut down. But who's your neighbor? Do you know your neighbors? If your neighbor was to start crying out in the middle of the night saying, help, 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 could you run out and help them by name? Are you going to shut your window? Well, right now there's people screaming, help, help, help around the walls of this building. There's people that need to meet Jesus. There's people that need to know Jesus and they're crying out for help. There's ways that we can be involved and, and, and we're looking at different things. I'm always thinking about, all right, how can we get into the community? You know, last weekend when I was in Pace and one of the two of the organizations they raised money for was something like Mighty Moms here. And if you've never heard from Mighty Moms, Mighty Moms is an organization that sends food home with children on Friday so that they can eat for the weekend. Incredible organization. I don't ever think about not eating on the weekend. I've already got lunch plans and supper plans today. But that's areas to where people are crying out for help. The drug use in our parish is rampant. People need to see Jesus. They need to see Jesus. All of our ones that work with the school system, there's families that need to see Jesus. Am I right? Brittany, on your bus, how many of them kids need to meet Jesus? About all of them by the time you get them dropped off, huh? <laughs> but you know, when you start thinking about it, but where do you live? Where do you work? Where do you cross paths with people? Where does your shadow fall? When it says, won't you be a good neighbor? God's not asking us to do anything that we don't already have. You have neighbors. Your paths intersect with people every day. Every day. What are you doing? How are you living? Go with me. Um, 
Back into John. To John 13. John 13, verse 35. It says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. If you love one another. If we love one another, then people are going to know that we're God's disciple. If we love one another, that world's going to know. If we love one another as a church, I read those words, those DNA words that y'all give me. If we stick to those words and we keep adding words to it, if, if we stick to our DNA where we love one another, the world's going to know us. If we stick to, to this, if you love one another, and it sounds simple, but we overcomplicate it, don't we? Because we start looking and saying, you know something? God, you don't know my neighbor. God, you, you just, God, you don't understand. You've never had a neighbor like me. They start that lawnmower at 6.30 on Saturday morning when I'm trying to sleep late. They run that weed eater. They throw their grass clippings on my driveway. You don't understand my neighbor. But God's words are simple. If you love one another, if you love one another, they're going to know who I am through you. And if you love one another, and then if you love your neighbor as yourself, we could turn this world upside down. And that's what this world needs. That election that happened last night, I don't want to step on toes, and I'm not going to mention names, because God knows who was elected. We have to pray for them today. But they have a big job. But we have a big job, and that's to pray for them too. But you know what? The governor of Louisiana cannot change Louisiana. Local politics can't change our area. You and me on our knees, seeking God, loving one another, and being a good neighbor. That's what's going to change this world. Are we willing to do it? When you start looking at 22 years, 22 years of what Live Oak has done, 22 years of what Live Oak's done, what in 22 years is the pastor, this pastor in 22 years? And I'm not saying I'm not going to be here, but 22 years, that puts me at 73. I'm hoping I'm with Jesus. But in 22 years, what are they going to look back and say, wow, look what Live Oak's done over the last 44 years. They've moved that baptism rate from 2.7 to 2.0 or 1.5. Whenever they got ready because they was busting out the seams in this building, that those, instead of 60 people with $55,000 to 300 people with 250, I mean, or whatever it was, $300,000 built a million-dollar building because that's the faith they had. What if we leave right now? We decide today that our legacy is going to be in the future for them to chase Jesus as hard as they can chase him, to live out that commandment where it says to go and make disciples and baptize and to teach. That's what we need to look backwards and see.
And that's what we're looking backwards and seeing now because we had a pastor and we had a church that was sold out to God. I'm convinced if he was here today, Howard Turner would tell you he wouldn't care if the world ever knew he existed. But he would tell you that he would hope that they saw a godly man in him. And that's where I want. I don't want people to remember Johnny Morgan. I want people to remember a godly man that chased after God and set an example. So are we going to love one another? And are we going to love our neighbors? That's our question.